Hello everyone, hope you're doing well, hope you're uh, enjoying the new year. Uh, I know uh, at this point we've already had a few episodes out in 2022, uh, but uh, we've just uh, just a couple of weeks in at this point. So uh, we hope you're all doing well. Uh, thank you again for coming to, a, to another episode of Pick Up The Mic. And uh, as you know, we always bring uh, wonderful guests and wonderful topics. Uh, now, to di- the title uh, sorry, for today's episode uh, is wicked solutions to wicked problems and i think that's a that's a that's a great way to nicely uh, lead us into the first question which is always you know getting our guest speakers to tell us a bit about themselves and as i say i know you guys are probably tired of hearing my voice so uh, i'll gladly pass over to our guest speaker so uh, if you could just tell us a bit about yourself uh, and i guess a bit uh, what key things our listeners should know about you hi everyone uh thanks uh for having me uh, so my name is Mandak. I am a lecturer in the Bachelor's of Arts and Science uh, degree of Global Challenges at Brunel University. Uh, I am a Somali Canadian. I was born and raised in the area of Toronto called Scarborough, which I'm really proud of. <laughs> and this has shaped my personality. I was like constantly stimulated to learn more and seek knowledge and embed everything that I do in justice. And I guess I have what I call a roller coaster journey of my roles. Like I started off in community development work, found myself doing international development, crisis counseling, then primary care. And then I eventually was able to find a space where I could merge all my interests, which is uh, empowering uh, individuals, communities to be able to make uh, informed decisions, whether that is in higher education spaces, in community development spaces, or community uh, activism spaces are just generally like I would like to know where the cheapest toilet paper is and knowing where to find that. Uh, that is that is perfect, and I think uh, all our all our listeners, especially uni students, can definitely agree. Uh, knowing where those key deals are uh, definitely is a lifesaver, uh, especially you know two years ago when uh, toilet roll was uh, basically uh, on the low. Um, but no, thank you, thank you for that introduction, and I think it's really key because, uh, uh, as our listeners know, um, you know we always say that you know. Life, life takes you on a journey and it's great to see from from your description that you've had a wonderful journey uh, and you know we, we're looking forward I guess to, to seeing where where next uh, your where your journey takes you um but yeah thank you very much for that wonderful introduction uh, and we're now going to go on to our first official question okay thank you so much um for that introduction, Mandeg. Um, I just also wanted to say that yes, like I graduated from BASE um, Global Challenges, and it was honestly a life changing course. All the opportunities and the professors. Thank you so much, Mandeg. Um, but uh, now, just onto our second question, um, would you just like to tell us a little bit more about the course, Global Challenges BASC? What is it about? Um, uh, so. Global challenges is an emerging and exciting subject area, um, which will challenge you to think differently about humanity's relationship in this sort of contemporary, messy world we're in. So in the degree, you have a chance to choose one of four specially curated pathways, so global innovation, planetary health, social cohesion, and security. And you do this alongside the core spine of the degree, which is the part that I teach on. Uh, So your learning and experience not only is unique, but is grounded in a way of ensuring that we have this uh, transdisciplinary learning. 
throughout. So your colleagues who might be studying a different pathway feed into the core lessons as do you so we can continue to grow and learn together. It's really unique. Like Global Challenges at Brunel is one of the first undergraduate courses of its kind in the UK. Um, it's an opportunity to allow you to switch between the sciences and non-scientific disciplines, but providing you with a sort of international, but as well local context to everything that we learn. Um, it allows you to have the sort of full exposure of knowledge to challenges facing society uh, at like a global scale, but also at a local scale without any kind of restrictions. Um, I'm also really excited about this degree because you're able to benefit with this like strong links with community partners and industries um, that allow you to be able to truly contextualize, but understand what it is that you're learning, right? So it's not just theoretical, which I think uh, for, for some of us, or at least for me, when I studied, with this degree, you benefit from strong links with industry partners, uh, your other lectures within the program, but also your colleagues who are probably doing really cool stuff uh, in their day-to-day -day lives. And this ability to be able to translate theory into practice, I think is something that is incredibly valuable. I personally, in my undergraduate degree, had a difficult time reconciling with the theoretical notions and concepts that I was taught about international development, about community development, participatory development, and then going to the work sphere like quote unquote real world and realizing bro like nothing that I learned in my textbook actually applies in this setting but how do I develop the skills to be able to respond to that appropriately and really jump back and what global challenges allows you to do within the three years is have that space to be able to challenge yourself be able to do activities throughout the three years that allows you to contextualize and make sense of the messy world that we live in, all of those wicked challenges that we face. That was, that was an amazing answer. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, so uh, moving on uh, to the next question. Um, so you've told us a bit about, I guess, why what Global Challenges is, uh, specifically the course at Brunel, uh, and why it's, I guess, very important. Uh, and, you know, I'm sure our listeners who may not uh, be studying global challenges or might be looking to apply to university uh, for anyone listening you know there's a there's a course right here that you could check out um but i guess moving on to our next question we just want to know why did you or uh, yeah i guess why did you decide to become a lecturer uh, in specializing in global challenges um you know you, you highlighted before that there was uh, you know, global challenge the great thing about global challenges is it applies that real world knowledge which i think a lot of students uh, you know, myself included, sometimes felt that in some modules is a lot of theory, but then you never got to see the real world application. So I guess, why did uh, why did you become a, a lecturer in Global Challenges is our question to you. Thanks. Um, it's a funny one, actually. <laughs> I was at a point where I really, where I found myself really enjoying creating active learning environments. So I'd been working with teachers in Colombia, but also working with a couple of different organizations. Uh, curating environments where uh, professionals were able to gain skills to be able to do their roles in more just, in more human-centered, grounded approaches. Um, so I was just keen to find opportunities that would allow me to further that, explore, grow in those spaces. And I had a friend 
who had flagged the program to me actually. And I remember like seeing it and thinking like, this is it. This is like what I've been trying to explain to others, right? You can't solve a wicked problem, whatever, whether it's famine or poverty or the climate crisis as a whole with just one skill set or one approach, right? We need everybody's thinking hats on so that we can work together to solve this problem. And that's what Global Challenges stood out to me as doing. It created the structure that allow learners to come together and say like, you know what, I've got this idea. I've learned this in my pathway. I've learned this in my job elsewhere. Here's a valuable space where I can curate this. Um, I think like the idea of higher education in a way that encourages unbounded seeking of knowledge and wisdoms in order to create innovation um, is something that's near and dear to my heart. I think this program uh, created an opportunity for me to engage in a space that allowed me to work with individuals like colleagues, but also students who are committed to change in a variety of spaces and cultivate an environment that reflects the reality that we live in, right? Challenging of authority, challenging top-down approaches. Um, so I've been with the team since January of 2020, and it's been a blast. I'm honored to witness such passion and drive from students, especially in spaces where I may not have engaged with as much. Um, and it's not a course solely intended to produce individuals who like want to like, quote unquote, save others or help others or save the world or anything like that. But I think of it as like, as weird as it sounds, a Petri dish of sorts. Uh, within the university. So people who have their own lived experiences, their wisdoms, their passions, who recognize that traditional models for change and thought aren't enough anymore. It's the what next space. And I think that is amazing. Uh, sometimes it does lead to having really difficult conversations, especially when there's clashes. But at the same time, this is a test round of like what happens in professional spaces as well. No, thank you, Mandek. And I think, I think, you know, our listeners might not know this, but, you know, you are Yashrika, you, well, you were, sorry, uh, Yashrika's lecturer. Uh, right. And, you know, I've heard the, the wonderful things that she said that uh, the, the Global Challenges course have taught her and the, the amazing things that she's, the knowledge and skills that she's gained from there. And I think uh, it's really, it's really nice to see that even, you know, I guess for, for students, sometimes we, we can feel that our lecturers, I guess, don't necessarily have that, uh, you know, lecturers might be listening now might be happy but essentially you know sometimes we, we as students we feel that um you know lecturers might not necessarily relate to students or you know want to give us like you were saying this uh this idea of again repeating the idea that you know there's no one solution it's not you know environmentalists fix climate change uh you know energy people fix energy crisis uh no it's, it's getting all these groups together and coming up with um you know this collective collective working together and I think that's really key and uh you know even as groups of like you're saying of, of showing the, the different cultures that are there um you know even when it comes to things like whether it's policy or whether it's uh, anything like that you know we we do need to have that that collaboration of uh, different views so I think it's, it's amazing to see that you know Electra is is able to share that journey with us so uh, thank you very much for that uh, and I'm now going to hand over to Yashka for our next question Yeah, um, Mandek, thank you so much, obviously, for all your answers um, so far. Uh, I just wanted to say Global Challenges is an amazing course. Thank you for having me. Thank you for 
teaching me and it was amazing like everything that we've done all the experiences all the learning uh, we basically touched on all these different different topics and it was all about you know becoming transdisciplinary as an individual and um, I think all the skills that I've picked up are really helping me now in my professional career life um, but uh, so I also wanted to ask a few questions about like why is it important for us to have these conversations, have these challenging conversations and like not only in the professional realm, but also when we're still, you know, in the higher education, um, why is it important that we have these like transdisciplinary like um, lessons and, you know, go into these sort of topics? Why is it important? Thanks, Ashika. <laughs> I loved having you as a student. <laughs> um, so why it's important to have challenging conversations. Um, part for me, I think, and this is why I'm so committed to this program is because there isn't often the space for students at whatever part of the journey that they're in to be able to have that degree of confidence in speaking their mind in formal spaces that are traditionally um that traditionally exclude their wisdoms, right? So there's this like cultural sense, not even just in the university setting, but just in general, you think about high school, sixth form, primary school, where you were told like, so-and-so is the expert, your teacher knows everything, somebody else knows everything, and you are a sponge and you take in the information and that's it. And I think that's fundamentally wrong. There is knowledge and wisdom that I can impart and share, but simultaneously you're not, or students as a whole are not, blank slates. They're human beings with experiences and knowledge. And I think it's important to be able to cultivate that and challenging conversations are, are opportunities for us to be able to learn from one another, right? It's an opportunity to grow and difficult in the sense that it's difficult because these spaces are not purposely curated to facilitate this, right? And sometimes it's about talking about very basic things like knowing how to communicate uh, with a difficult like supervisor at work or a difficult educator or a colleague or a classmate. Um, and in global challenges, the topics are often really heavy. Um, and especially when we're challenging the way in which they're framed. Like I'm not here to romanticize anything. I'm not here to minimize experiences. We're being quite honest about the issues at hand. Uh, so for me, what often drives the the way in which I engage in the classroom setting and the way I think in which we can cultivate these spaces where it's truly transdisciplinary from all levels of learning is the application of something called Radical Candor. Um, and Radical Candor is a book uh, by Kim Scott, if I'm not mistaken. Really fascinating book because what it talks about is that we're challenging directly in the sense that we are challenging. It's not like the sort of like stabbing you in the front aggressive sort of approach, but radical candor really fundamentally goes towards challenging directly, but still showing that we care personally, right? We can have these difficult conversations without having to make it about you as a person or about thinking that I am superior to you for X, Y, and Z reason be saying that you have wisdoms that I cannot challenge. So how can I learn from that? Or how can I decide that 
yes, you may have these experiences. I have a personal difference, but how can we start to see eye to eye some degree, like having that value associated with each other? Um, so yeah, it's important to have challenging conversations or else we end up fortifying unhelpful structures of oppression. <laughs> you know, the biggest way possible. Right, amazing. Thank you so much. I've already got that book in my Amazon cart. So thank you for that. <laughs> and I think everyone should add it to their cart listeners. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's, that's, it's true. It's very true. I mean, and I noticed this like through our course, we would have these challenging conversations and yes, there's the world is a bad place and blah, blah, but having these conversations really puts everything into perspective. And I think as a student, um, it was really enlightening to see that, you know, everyone, we're all in the same boat. We all feel the same way. Um, and yeah, and I also agree with the way that you said with higher education, especially, I feel like you enter a lecture room and there's 200 students, there's one lecture, lecturer at the front and they sort of talk at you and you don't really get to have a conversation. And so it was really, really refreshing to have that sort of um, space where I could speak freely with my colleagues and, you know, everyone um, around us. So yeah, thank you so much about that. Yeah, thank you. On to the next question. Uh, we're going to first off start uh, this question with our newly added segment, uh, Mic Check. So uh, as everyone knows, I'll be uh, putting in some interesting facts uh, about uh, this topic. Now, uh, for those uh, who, are, who are listeners, uh, you know that I'm an environmental scientist uh, and I'll be, you know, we've been talking about a lot of topics uh, today but i'll be specifically talking about climate change uh, for this uh mic check segment so uh, there's two two articles uh, that i found which were really interesting uh the first was by uh world food program uh and it's essentially talking about this year so uh talking about it's titled uh, climate crisis cop 27 and other things to watch in 2022 uh so saying that how these next 12 months will be critical for for tackling climate change you know we've seen whether it's a uh, loss and damage to vulnerable communities whether we've seen uh impacts such as uh you know rising sea levels or hotter days in countries uh where we, we shouldn't we shouldn't really be seeing this uh you know essentially the science does not lie uh and you know there's even another one which is the other article for today uh which was published by the united nations uh and it's titled and i think this is very important why 2022 will matter for climate action. You know, we've uh, we've seen things like COP26 and whether you are a fan, you agree that COP26 did justice or whether it's just a whole load of empty promises. Um, it was very impactful. And I think one of the things that definitely that I uh, took away from watching COP26 uh, was, uh, I'm not sure um, if everyone remembers, but there was a, I don't remember the country uh, that did the presentation, but one of the... Um, one of the world leaders that was there, uh, he's from a small island, and he did his presentation in the water. Uh, hopefully, you'll have a picture of this in the corner of your screens. Um, but yeah, he, he did his presentation uh, in the water, uh, and he was addressing them saying that, you know, this is what he's dealing with. And I guess essentially, when, you, when you're up against stuff like that, you know, we've previously talked, had an episode about uh, environmental anxiety and the, the, you know, things that can come about from that. But, you know, we... We, we I guess want to highlight as a podcast and we've highlighted it before that it's there's no there's no need to to let this be the end you know we we can still make change we can still make action uh, and these two articles they go into a lot of detail about the different events that are happening this year so if you are interested in climate change or the climate crisis and you want to know a bit more uh, the links will be uh, in the description so you can check them out there but essentially uh, Mandek the question that we want to ask you 
is what are some ways, what are, sorry, some ways that individuals can feel that they can make a change? Uh, and I think especially like you highlighted in the last question, as students, sometimes we feel like we actually can't be a part of the change process. So I guess we just want to know what are some ways that, uh, whether it's specifically towards students or in a more general sense, what are some ways that we can feel like we can make change? Mm -hmm. So I'll respond to this in two distinct ways. Um, so from the first is uh, from the perspective of somebody who is in, in a general way, like managing the space, right? So I'm talking about lectures, I'm talking about you leading young people, you are the employer of somebody else, you're a manager of somebody else, you're in a position of power and authority in the space, um, is recognizing the power that you possess and actively working to address forms of injustice. And I don't need this to be some sort of like holier than thou large scale injustice that's happened, but recognizing moments where perhaps somebody's voice isn't amplified or somebody is inadvertently silenced. And so if you're in a meeting with somebody recognizing that, hey, this person's been ignored for the last 20 minutes, has been trying to speak up, using your authority to say, or using your power privilege at that point to say, I'd like to pass the mic over to Yashika. Yashika, you mentioned something earlier and facilitating that and having that control and ownership. And I think often, whether it's professional spaces or in learning spaces, there's this unnecessary sort of like competition that arises where everybody's like everyone for themselves, like I'm vending for myself. And that's not necessarily helpful, right? When we're looking to address issues and challenges that fundamentally impact us all. Uh, from the perspective of the individual me about ways that individual can feel that they make change or even as a student, um, the one advice I would say to any student or young person as a whole, and I say this to young people that I work with uh, in my charity, uh, Eastside Youth, is that there's no, ben like, there's no sort of tick box activity to being able to speak your mind or to feel that there's nothing that is going to stop you from being seen as an expert in your own experiences. Like you, you've experienced it. That makes you the expert in that. You know what I mean? And you don't need to be validated by somebody external to do that. Even if society has these mechanisms or metrics that mean that only particular people can speak on particular subjects. And it's finding people who value your, your opinions, who acknowledge your expertise and utilizing that to propel you to be able to connect with others who are doing similar similar work or are passionate about similar issues um and that takes time and I think for me as somebody like I mentioned I grew up in an area called Scarborough in Toronto which was I think distinct in the sense that as a high immigrant community um you kind of all relied on each other but uh, growing up for me, I would see people who I'm like, oh, I want to be like you or I want to do something like you. And then not feeling that they may be supporting me in the way that I thought they would, because I'm like, oh, we're, we should be helping each other out. Right. Like I'm coming to you being like, please be my tutor. Or please be something to me. And then they'd be like, oh, well, you can just go online and apply. And I'm like, that's a bit rubbish. Right. Uh, so I think that we need to be able to break down the barriers to break down the assumptions that supporting one another regardless of who you are where you're from shouldn't be seen as necessarily nepotism or favoritism at all points right sometimes it's like if somebody messages you to say hey i'm really interested in this job that you're doing i really want to get into those spaces have an informal coffee 
like it's not going to help it's not going to hurt you to impart knowledge or information that's going to make it less difficult for the person to go forward in their future right um and that is a change on such a small scale right and we're not even talking about the wicked problems of solving those changes because those are complex but it's being open and vulnerable to say that other people have knowledges that you don't possess how do you connect with that how do you learn from them how do you share that yeah i think that's the best way it's very like personal for me when it comes to uh individuals feeling like they can make change because i find it really heartbreaking when people think I have to have my degree in order to do X, Y, and Z, or I have to be, I have to have like 10 years of experience before anybody values my opinion or I'm like, no, I want to hear what you have to say right now. Oh, that's so true. I think even, uh, you know, it, while you're talking about it, I was saying that that's a, that's a, that's so true to, to uni, well, students in general, uh, you know, we've seen, especially if we bring it back to, to climate change as an example, you know, young people being very active and uh, being activists uh, and whether that's with, you know, they're, you know, 13 years old or very young or whether they're, you know, in their thirties, they're people that are doing a lot of uh, work as young people. And I think, like you said, that, that key thing of, you know, you don't need to be a specialist. You don't need to be, you know, a well-read multiple degrees, person to to make a change uh, you just have to be an individual uh with the the will to do it and you know the ability to you know that you know i can do it because you know i see i see the the need for change um so yeah definitely yeah, it's that unwavering passion it's that exactly. unwavering passion that i think we need to value on mm. par with other forms of like metrics or tick box activities that we view as valuable within society no, that's so true, 100%. Uh, but I'm now going to pass on to uh, Yashika for our, our last official question before we go on to our new segment, uh, Passing the Mic. Um, right, so yeah, thank you so much for that, Mandek. Um, so my question is a bit of a difficult one. Um, so obviously we've got all these crazy global challenges that we're trying to solve. What are the steps to you know, finding those solutions. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry if this is a bit of a big question, but what do you think um, is like very important to solving those solutions? Mm -hmm. Well, that is a massive one. And honestly, if I had a solution, I don't think there would be a decree anymore, to be honest. <laughs> I think be, that's it. We solved it. Move on. Um, I'd like to say first and foremost, it's important that as individuals, as a collective, uh, we take care of our mental health and well-being when it comes to talking about global issues. I think it can be incredibly overwhelming. It can be, I don't know, like, oh my God, this is there's nothing we can do. We're in despair and and kind of like hide away, which is to be fair, fair at times. Um in order for us to um work towards these big challenges and seeing whether they're linked together or just feeling empowered enough to do so. I think the the first step is recognizing that everything you do, every positive thing you do makes a difference. Um, and I think often we are quick to highlight within our society, whether it's on the news or on social media, the big actions, right? The big gestures. We want young people who are like Greta. We want people who are, I don't know, like 18 years old with like tech companies who are like solving like amazing things. You know what I mean? Um, but without recognizing that the day-to-day -day 
mental transformations are incredibly important. And I think that is a cultural shift. We need to understand that. In order for all these massive changes to be sustained, there needs to be a culture behind it that values it simultaneously. And we've progressed massively as a collective, right? As a community, as a society, as a whole, about our views about particular members within our community, our kinfolk, anything like that. And so those, I think recognizing that it's small steps towards massive change is important. And that doesn't negate the fact that these big changes can also happen simultaneously. It's moving away from this dichotomy of like, it has to be big or it's nothing, or it's really small and it's, or, and, or it's relevant, right? Um, one good example I can think of is that I was having a chat with a friend of mine back home in Canada because um, they're going through extreme like cold weather alerts right now and creating these backpack kits like this essential survival kit for rough sleepers um, or unhoused kin within uh, the Toronto area and included like sleeping bags and uh, money and cigarettes and hand sanitizer and things like that and on the larger scale, is that going to eradicate homelessness in Toronto? No, but what it will do is ensure that somebody is safe on that night and creating a momentum to say, hey, we are recognizing this is an issue within our community. This is not a fringe group. They're not silent. They're not hidden. We're talking about we're talking about this. We're raising the issue. We're amplifying this concern so that those we elected recognize that this is not just an issue that you can hide behind closed doors. We're seeing you. Right. And that is something tremendous. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's amazing. No, thank you so much for that. Yeah. Um, everything okay? Sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, um, totally agree with everything that you said there. I think identifying the issue and acknowledging that it exists is the first step, definitely, to solving it. So, no, that's great. Um, Yeah, so we've uh, now come to our our newly added segment, Passing the Mic, where as uh, you, our listeners and watchers know, we uh, give the mic to our guest speakers to uh, ask us a question uh, that they have prepared for us. So I'm going to hand over to Mandy to uh, pass uh, to ask us the question that she's prepared for us. So if you could let us know what your question is today, please. Really excited about this segment. <laughs> so this uh, question is something that I love asking other people as a whole. So my question to you both is, what is something you know that you feel is a valuable tidbit of knowledge others should know about? Not restricting you in terms of topic, in terms of issue or where you got this knowledge from, but just any kind of valuable tidbit of knowledge you think others should know about. Uh, so I think... I'm going to go, I'm going to go through, because uh, when I was thinking about this question, uh, I, I wasn't sure of which one to go with, because there's three. There's one that I know uni, uh, university students should know, uh, and I'll go with that one first. Um, so I know uh, my sister and I, uh, my sister told me about this during lockdown. Um, but for anyone who's got uh, pots, uh, if you've got a pot and it's got like a hole, like on the handle, there's like a hole. Um, especially like smaller pots It's got like the long handle It's got the hole Yeah, I didn't know that That's actually If you, you know If you're using like a spoon Or cutlery for when you're cooking You can actually put the cutlery there So I had no idea about this And I was just like And hopefully you'll see A picture of this uh, So you'll you'll get what I'm saying um, But yeah, essentially I didn't know that that Was something that you could do But apparently it is um, But uh, myself uh, Me and my brother are Huge history buffs um, So both Whether that's like History of stuff like music Or history of stuff in general So 
I'm going to give one about music because uh, music is one of my passions. Uh, so one one fact about music that my brother told me uh, was that James Brown, uh, so if anyone doesn't know James Brown, he's a musician. Um, and he, he is essentially the most sampled artist of all time. Uh, he has been sampled twice uh, as many times as the second most sample artist. Uh, so that's a bit of a music knowledge there. Um, but on a on a more history, uh, I guess, basis, uh, one of the things that I learned, I think it was towards the end of last year, which I had no idea about, um, was this, this word called tell, um, which is T-E-L. Uh, and essentially it means, uh, in his- historical terms, it was essentially when there would be a town specific, most of the time it was in the de- uh, desert. So places like uh, Tel Aviv is an example, uh, where essentially, you had these cities where people would live, you know, whether it was uh, due to environmental issues like weather or natural disasters or whether it was just due to, you know, someone took over the land, took all the resources, got rid of everyone who lived there and left. Um, essentially, tells are cities that are basically built on top of cities. So they're cities that throughout the ages, you know, you can essentially like go back through history through the soil and see like, you know, this group of civilization lived there and then something happened. They left. And then another city was built on top and then they left and then another city was built on top. Um, so, yeah, so when I learned about it, they were saying that, you know, you can see, I don't remember where, which country he was talking about. Um, but this person was saying that you can go to, I don't remember the country, but hopefully if it, if it appears on the screen, that's the country. But essentially um, they were saying that if you go to this country, you can see like loads of like hills in like the middle of nowhere and you'll see like a massive hill and then like flat plain and then a massive hill. And he was saying that that's essentially a tell you'll see like, that, if you looked at that hill, you could see the history of that area. Um, and yeah, when I learned about that, I was just like, wow, this is actually something that I never thought about. But it, we see it uh, in, our, in our day-to-day lives. Um, but yeah, that would be my my three pieces of knowledge uh, that I think uh, people hopefully will will, will appreciate. Uh, but yeah, Yashika, what about you? Uh, what's, what's, your, what's your bit of uh, tidbit knowledge? Um, right, so I think I would probably want to talk about like my experiences like after uni um so students uh some of you might be able to relate here um but so I think one thing that I've really I've I've come to learn um is that well you might find yourself in a situation or in a job for example um that you might not want to do it's not what you want to do long term and I've definitely found myself in a job that I'm working in a lab at the moment and it's not really what I want to do (laughs) um but I think I managed to find that like I got myself stuck sort of in in this job even though it isn't what I wanted to do but I I just sort of settled there for a bit and I'm still here you know working this job in a lab as a lab laboratory operator and I've only just begun to apply to jobs that I genuinely want to do and I think it, it can be really disheartening sometimes when you've graduated and you've come out and you're looking at all these job prospects and not always getting a reply back and, you know, and then getting rejected because you don't have enough experience and whatever else. And it it was really disheartening for me so much so that I just sort of stopped applying to things. I was just going to work, coming home, eating, sleeping, going to work, coming home, eating, sleeping, going into that routine. 
And I think recently I just realized, you know what? No, like I'm not going to let that happen to me. I'm not going to settle where I am simply because it's easy and, you know, I don't have to do much or whatever else. I want to challenge myself. And so now I'm back on the bandwagon (laughs) and I'm applying to all these jobs. And I think it's important for students and newly graduates to keep that fire going like do what you want to do and keep trying and every time you get rejected don't let it dishearten you because that's what happened to me and that's how I've now ended up like two months extra into this job that I didn't want to be in in the first place so I think yeah you know keep looking keep applying that's definitely an advice that I would give to anyone looking but yeah Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Yashka. And and you know, key key thing to add on uh to, to what Yashka was saying about jobs uh was just that you know we we've had previous episodes where we've had you know people talking about their job experience. So please do check those out because a lot of the advice that they do give is very key. You know, um in a previous episode, um literally the episode before, uh we, we spoke with uh, someone called Morgan uh, and he was saying that you know he 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 spoke about his journey and he was saying one of the things he learned um was that, you know, when it comes to job opportunities or your path, career path, I guess, he was saying that don't think of things as like, you know, you're stepping off the path or, you know, you're, you're going backwards. He said, think of it more as like you're taking a sidestep. So you might not necessarily be going forward, but you're still developing, you're still doing things. And then you just need to wait until the opportunity of, you know, you're back on the path. Um, so I guess think of it more like a, if it's a path, it's like a, you know, you're going around, you might not necessarily be going on that straight route, but you're still working on things, you're still improving yourself. Um, so yeah, so if you do want to know more, please do uh, check out those episodes. Um, but yeah, we're now going to go on to, uh, you know, our, everyone's favourite segment, the uh, MC of the Month segment. Uh, and as always, I like to bring in amazing MCs. Uh, and for this episode, uh, the MC of the month is Project Everyone. Uh, now, for anyone who doesn't know what Project Everyone is, uh, they're a non-for-profit communications company. Uh, they're made up of, uh, of a team or teams uh, of dedicated campaigners and communicators. Um, and essentially, the heart of, of what they do uh, is making sure uh, that, I guess, their mission is that we, we move towards a fairer, greener, and more just world by 2030. So they have a lot of work uh, in relation to the Sustainable Development Goals, which we've previously spoken about in uh, Season 1. Uh, and essentially, I really like what their um, their co-founder, director and screenwriter said. Uh, they, they've got it on their website and the quote goes like this. To make things happen, you have to make things, which I clearly, you know, links to what we were saying today about, you know, you just have to have that passion, that will and just, you know, make it happen. They do a lot of uh, great work. So uh, please do check out their website. Um, they do a lot of, uh, you know, they have value a lot of things and they've got it all here on their website. So some of these include, you know, they value creativity to make uh, audacious things possible. Uh, they value maximum impact for the global goals always. So ensuring that we do meet these uh, these targets for 2030, which uh, is only eight, eight years away. They value collaboration and great partners. Uh, and you know, specifically talking about these great partners, they work a lot with uh, Bill and uh, Melinda Gates Foundation, which uh, already themselves do a lot of really good uh, charitable work uh, for people. So. Do please check out their website, um, Project Everyone. Who knows? You know, we were talking about jobs today. They might have a job for you. Uh, so do check it out. There's lots of ways you can get involved. There's lots of things you can look up. Um, and they, I've uh, heard from 
not necessarily from them, uh, but people have worked with them before, uh, that they do have a lot of like video opportunities for people, especially young people, to get involved with uh, to highlight this need for change that we've been discussing today. Uh, but yeah, we've now officially come to the end of today's episode. And uh, I want to say a huge thanks to Mandek for coming onto the show. We really appreciate all the lessons you've taught us and all the wise wisdom you have uh, shared with us. So thank you. Thank you very much for that. Thank you for having me. No, we, we really appreciated it. And I guess one thing before we let you go is we just want to say, um, I know you previously mentioned your charity. Um, so if there's anyone, I guess, who wants to find out more information or, you know, would like to maybe maybe even get involved, uh, how could they do that? How could they go about doing that? Yeah, so the charity is Eastside Youth. Uh, you can go on eastsideyouth.org.uk. Uh, we run programs for young persons, uh, primarily in East London, uh, focused on creating the everyday leader, is what we call them, leaders who create change in the everyday spaces. Have a look at it. That's wonderful. No, thank you. Uh, so please do make sure you check that out, guys. If you uh, liked it, today's episode or if you liked any of our episodes, please a like, comment and subscribe. It's always appreciated so you don't miss the next episode and press that notification bell for the same reason. Uh, and feel free to check out our Patreon page where we've got some exclusive content waiting for you guys as well. Uh, but that's a bye from me, everyone. Hope you're having a great day. Look after yourselves and we will see you all in the next episode. Pick up the mic.